In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is risen. Christos anesti. Christos was grassy. Al come. On this day, the last Sunday of the Paschal season, the church presents to us the reading of the healing of the man born blind. This is from John chapter 9. And all the readings today, the epistle reading, the gospel reading at liturgy, um, the gospel reading at matins, and even, even the saints that we commemorate today, Saints Constantine and Helen, they all have to do with seeing the truth. Seeing the truth. Now, last, uh, last week when I was in Puerto Rico, I received a Spanish lesson from Father Gregorio, the Puerto Rican priest. He pointed out that the Spanish verb to see is ver. V-E-R. Ver. Now, when we say Christ is risen in Spanish, Cristo ha resucitado, the response is in verdad, Ha resucitado. Verdad means in, it means truth. In truth, right? Truly, he is risen. The root word of verdad is V-E-R. The root word of truly in Latin is to see. Veritas in Latin. Truth. Okay? So, he was point, Father Gregorio was pointing out in Spanish, right? In order to have the truth, you have to see. To see is to have the truth, to see truly, to see reality. To see reality. And today, that's what the church is telling us. We need to see reality, and the reality we need to see is God himself. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. So, let's start with the blind man. We have a man born blind. St. John Chrysostom and a couple others say he was born without eyeballs. So he had empty eye sockets. Which makes this healing even more miraculous because what Jesus did was create the eyeballs right there, right? Of course, this is no surprise that Jesus could do this because he's the creator of the whole world. He created our eyeballs. He created everything. Of course, he can create eyeballs out of a little mud. But the world had never seen a situation where somebody was born blind with or without eyeballs and then was made to see. And the question was asked by the disciples, who sinned, this man or his parents? Well, if he was born blind, obviously the man did not sin. And Jesus said, no, not even the parents sinned. Not even the parents sinned, but so that the glory of God could be made manifest. So Jesus gives sight to this blind man, and in doing so, he... he forms his eyes, right? He anoints his eyes, and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam had no special healing powers. It wasn't like the pool at the sheep's gate. 
but it was um, a freshwater pool that King Hezekiah had, had formed in 700 BC. He dug an underwater channel that runs into the city so that when the Assyrians came, the, the city of Jerusalem would still have water. So it was really an engineering marvel. But Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, probably because he knew the man could get there. And in going and washing, the man is healed. So he's healed through the obedience. He's healed through the obedience. Okay? And then he goes on to proclaim Christ publicly and witness to Christ to the point that he's tossed out of the synagogue and ostracized by the Jews who are envious of Jesus. So we start to see the pattern. All right. St. Paul. St. Paul talks about his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. This is from Acts chapter 26. And St. Paul, of course, was spiritually blind. He was persecuting the church. He thought he was doing things for righteousness sake, but he was so blind, he didn't realize that he was persecuting the God whom he thought he was worshiping. He did not have the truth. He could not see the truth. And so Jesus appears to him and literally knocks him off his high horse. Right? I think that might be where that term comes from, by the way. He knocks him off his high horse. And then what happens to St. Paul? He's blinded physically. Oh, wow, what a coincidence. We happen to hear this epistle reading on the same day that we hear the reading of the healing of the blind man. There are no accidents in the church. <laughs> Some very wise people plan this out for us. Um, so, St. Paul is blinded, right? And then what does he have to do? He has to go to Damascus and he has to wait, right? And he, through his obedience, then Ananias comes and heals him by the grace of God. Right? St. Paul is healed spiritually and physically through obedience. And then St. Paul goes and publicly proclaims Christ to the ends of the world, even to the shedding of his blood. Alright, in the Matins Gospel which we heard this morning. Mary Magdalene is seeking Jesus at the tomb, and she sees him. She doesn't recognize him, right? She's still a little bit blinded by her grief, by her sorrow. And then when she encounters him, she recognizes him. He says, Mary. She says, Rabboni, which means teacher. There's an intimacy there. And then he says, go and tell the disciples. And what does she do? She goes and tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. In other words, this is true. The resurrection is true. What you heard from the other women is true because I have seen it. Right? We know also that, like, in a court of law, evidence that you can see is stronger than hearsay, than what you might hear from somebody. An eyewitness is the strongest testimony. So, there's a strong connection between seeing and truth, but we have to make sure that what we're seeing is true. 
and is the truth. Christ says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And if we are seeing something that's not the truth, then we're seeing darkness and falsehood and we're going away from Christ. If we're acting in a way that is not true and righteous, then we are go acting in a way that leads us towards the darkness, towards falsehood, and away from Christ. This is why it's so important to have integrity and honesty in our lives. All right, last example. Saints Constantine and Helen. Today we celebrate the feast of Saints Constantine and Helen um, on May 21st. And Saint Constantine lived in the 4th century and um, he was uh, he was going out to battle. I think it was against Maxentius. I could be wrong. He's going out to a big battle in 312, 313. And basically the winner of this battle is going to have reign over the whole Roman Empire. And before he goes, he sees in the sky a vision. He sees a vision of the cross with the words, by this sign conquer. By this sign conquer. That word conquer is ni-ka. Nike. Okay? On the bread, the prosphora, that the lamb, the consecrated lamb, comes from at liturgy, we have the letters I-C-X-C, meaning Jesus Christ, Ni-Ka, conqueror, okay? So St. Constantine sees this vision in the sky, by this sign, conquer, and it's got the sign of the cross. He orders that a cross be made. He orders that a cross be painted on every soldier's shield and helmet and everything. They put it on the tanks. They put it on the missiles. They put it everywhere. And they go out and they win. Okay? And then, and then, so Constantine was obedient to that vision. He was obedient to what he saw. He wins the battle, and then even more importantly, he ends the persecution of Christians by issuing the Edict of Milan in 313. He didn't legalize Christianity, by the way. He simply made it legal to be a Christian. He, he didn't make it the, the uh, religion of the empire. That's what I mean. He legalized it. He didn't make it the religion of the empire. That was his son who did that. But he ends the persecution of Christians, and then the church grew and multiplied. We might not have St. John Chrysostom and St. Basil the Great and so many wonderful theologians and saints a hundred years later, if not for Constantine. You never know. God knows. But the church flourished. The church flourished, and then... And then there was heresy in the church in 325, and Constantine publicly called a synod of all the bishops to sort it out so that the truth could be seen by the world. So we have here this strong connection between truth and between seeing, and also a strong connection between healing and obedience. So what does this mean for us? This is all very nice, Father Matthew. That's great. What does it mean for us? Because I go around and I see what I see, and I think I know the truth, but my life is still really hard. 
I still really struggle with sin, and I certainly haven't seen God the way that St. Paul did. So what does this mean? Here's what it means. Here's what it means. First of all, the pursuit of the truth is a pursuit of God. And truth is not relativistic. I think I got that word. It's not relativistic. There's no relative truth. There's just the truth that is God himself. If you truly pursue the truth, then you will find God. But having the truth only matters if you want to have relationship with God. And having relationship with God means living a life of obedience to God and living a life of confession of all those sins that lead us away from God. So, this happens a lot in families. This happens a lot in marriage. This happens in community. This is why monastics live together in community because so many times we can't see ourselves and we can't see our, um, our follies and our foibles and our faux pas. We call them blind spots. That spot where you can't see yourself. But in community, in family, in monasteries, everybody else can see it. Right? So I say, hey, Father Matthew, you're probably a little grumpy today. You might want to back off. Oh, am I grumpy? I'm not grumpy. <laughs> I'm not grumpy. This happens all the time, right? In everybody's life. What do we do with that? Once we're presented with the truth, now we can confess that. Now we can repent of it. As St. Paul says, we should repent and turn to God and perform deeds worthy of repentance. So the truth will set us free only if we are willing to engage in it. When we know that we're sinning, we need to turn to God, who is the truth, and say, wow, I really blew it. And we do so in confession. And that obedience of turning to God in confession will heal us. And that is where the rubber meets the road. If we want to be healed, we have to be obedient to God. We have to be obedient to the church that He has established on earth. And we have to be humble enough to acknowledge that we've really messed up. So, ultimately, ultimately, when we want to see God, we have to start with seeing ourselves for who we are. We have to start with seeing reality for what it is. And however hard that is, however unpleasant that is, the acknowledgement of what the reality is will allow us to change it. I hear many times from people, I feel like the longer I'm Orthodox, just the more I sin. I'm like, no, that's not true. It's the more sins that you see. That's what's going on. You were always a rotten sinner. Now you're just seeing it more. They're like, oh, that's so depressing. I'm like, no, because now you can do something about it. Once you see your sin, now you can do something about it. And once you remove that filthiness and that darkness from your heart, then the purity comes and you have a chance to truly encounter God in the light. In the light. So, 
If we want to be pure in heart, we have to confess our sins. If we want to have a good confession of our sins, we have to ask God to show us our sins. And when He does that in unexpected ways, maybe from some unpleasant people in our lives, we have to be willing to accept it. And say, okay, okay, I guess I'm not as good as I thought. And now I'm going to do something about it. So, to see leads us to the truth, and the truth will set us free. Right? This all goes together. The church gives us a very rich banquet of material to ponder and meditate this week. And my prayer for all of us, brothers and sisters, is that God will open our physical eyes and our spiritual eyes so that we can see Him in the fullness of truth and not be blinded by His light, but rather be warmed and purified by His light so that we can spend all of eternity rejoicing and basking in the light and the grace of His truth and His righteousness, along with all the saints who from all ages have been well-pleasing and who praise the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen.